You're listening to the Queensland Theatre Quality Time Podcast. Let me set the scene. What does the history of the Torres Strait Light Infantry Battalion and one of Shakespeare's classics have in common? For artists Jimmy Barney and Jason Clarwine, these are two worlds that almost beg them to be combined. Today they're joined by our artistic director Lee Lewis to discuss their vision for their electric adaptation of Shakespeare's Othello. Enjoy! everyone, wherever you're listening. My name's Lee Lewis. I'm the Artistic Director here at Queensland Theatre and it's my very great pleasure to welcome you back to another session, another episode of Quality Time with Queensland Theatre. We are very fortunate on the lands of the Yagara and the Turrbal people to be continuing to make stories. Stories have been told on these lands for thousands of years, tens of thousands of years. And it's a real privilege to be able to offer another story in this space. We pay our respects to elders, past and present, who carry the load of making sure that the world's oldest continuous culture is rich and strong and at the forefront of our minds every day. I am sitting here with two great Queensland artists, Jason Clarwine and Jimmy Bunny, who are with us at Queensland Theatre, making finally one of the plays that was cancelled last year. When I arrived at Queensland Theatre, very, very shortly after, there was a design presentation for one of the one of the shows that was scheduled to be going on in the 2020 season, and it was Othello. And I didn't, I mean, of course I know Othello and I know Jimmy and I know Jason, but when they presented the play, I went, oh, oh wow, this is a version of the play that I haven't seen before, that the world hasn't seen before. And when we had to cancel the year and talk about which plays we're going to go forward with the company, this is when I was like, we cannot lose this because it's a really precious piece of Australian culture. Now, I say that because these two men are in the process of adapting Othello, bringing it into an Australian story. And to talk about that, you describe it far better than I ever could. Uh, until you make the play, at which point I will spend a lot of years talking about the play if people didn't see it. You're all <laughs> going to come and see it. Uh, talk to me about how this started and what made you think you wanted to A, tackle Othello and when the light bulb moment where you went, oh, this is what we could do with it. Well, I actually think Jimmy and I were in the dressing room downstairs mm-hmm. doing Hedda, which was one of the shows here, both performing in Hedda, and we were talking about classic pieces of theatre and we'd already worked together uh, obviously as actors but we'd worked together on Jimmy's family story, My Name is Jimmy. And I said to Jimmy, we're just in the dressing room and I said, oh, you, and I was looking at different Shakespeare plays for some reason or other, I can't remember. And I said, oh, is there something you want to play? Uh, And Jimmy said Othello and I went, Mm -hmm. oh, I've been wanting to do this play forever. And I knew that the Queensland Theatre has never done the play. So this is the first time in 50 years that the company has ever done this play, which is so amazing. So we sort of started talking about, I went, oh, yeah, well, how would that work? And then we were talking about how 
it's set in a war mm. and you know who cares about venice and cyprus on the other on in the mm. antipodes mm-hmm. like mm. where yeah. we are so it's like well how do we make this work and jimmy brought up the facts of the torres strait light infantry which mm. i only sort of sort of knew about because of some of the stuff in my name is jimmy but do you just want to explain about your grandfathers and yeah. So we're talking about World War II, yeah? World War yes, II, yeah. Yes, so World War II, 1942, and we were thinking of basing it up in the 51st Battalion, up in the Torres Straits, and down to Cairns area, the Cairns region. Yeah, um, over 800 men signed up for the war that same time, and and every single Torres Strait Islanders in this country will have a grandfather or a father or a great-grandfather that served. So it was just one of those things you're like, oh, it's a... Because one thing to Jay said, you know, he was like, um, the, the important thing about Shakespeare plays is the uh, geography or a foundation or, you know, it, it, there has to be a strong sort of background language, a particular culture or, you know. And it was that conversation. They were like, actually, you know what? Let's continue our relationship, you know, especially doing, you know, a story from Wagadagam and the Torres Straits. So like, you know, yeah, yeah, and I so guess we, one mm. of the things too, Jimmy, your grandfather, mm. Jimmy's touched on this, the language there, that Jimmy's grandfather, Ephraim uh, Barney Jr., was a linguist. And one of the things that he did was to codify or re kind of do the spelling because it was a missionary spelling mm-hmm. of the language of Kalalaguya. And there's an amazing Super 8 film, which you can see on YouTube if you Google Ephraim Barney, yeah. um, you will find it. A, a kind of cut down version. It's not mm. the full version. And it's filmed by Jimmy's grandmother. She's behind the camera who yeah. was in My Name is Jimmy. Mm. And in this piece, he's linguistically pulling apart a song, which could be a, it doesn't matter that it's a song. It's a monologue. It's a It's a piece of text. It's, mm. a, it's a thing. But in this in this case, it is a song because it's and he explained why it's part of the Torres Strait Islander literature, all well, the Wagadaga Mabiag literature where Jimmy's from. But when I when we looked at it, I said to Jimmy, you know, this is like being with, say, Cicely Berry or Michael Attenborough from the RSC or from the Almeida in London talking about linguistics, like how you pull apart a piece of Shakespeare. Yeah. And so we started talking about how language mm. for some white Australians Shakespeare has this power to it. It has a it has a resonance that makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck. And um, Jimmy we, Jimmy was saying, well, in equal parts, so does Wagadagam, so does Kalalagaya. It makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. And so we were like, well, we've just got to put these two things together mm-hmm. and then see what happens. And it was a very easy process then of about what are the cultural rules around Shakespeare or the learnt passing down of oral techniques from actor to actor to actor and what are the passing down of oral traditions from chief to other people to chief from uncles to nephews and that mm. those sorts mm-hmm. of things so we we it, then it became a very natural process about what to do yeah. talking about the hair standing up on the back of your neck when i just moved back to australia from from new york there was a production that sydney theatre company that I went to and I'd been I'd been away for like 10 years and didn't know you know a lot of the 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 actors who were on stage and you know lights go down it's dark and this voice in the dark the beginning of Romeo and Juliet (laughs) 
starts. I went, who the hell is that? <laughs> and the prince. Mm. It was Jimmy who was playing the prince. And I remember you in that in that production, I was awestruck by the power that you were carrying. And I was like, I, honest to God, that's the first time I've seen, actually seen, and you know what I mean, royalty on the Australian stage. Mm. It's something that we struggle to play with because, again, kings and queens yeah. is not a part of white Australian culture here, but it is for you. And what I was seeing on stage was royalty and the power at that point. So when you, when I heard you guys were doing Othello, I, of course Jimmy's doing Othello. <laughs> I mean, you should be doing all, like you're the closest <laughs> thing we've got to King. You should be playing all of the, all of the big power roles. And I kind of go, that, that for me was like, oh, what you're talking about is a heritage of language of power. Yes, it, it's this, you sort of gain through, and I'm not speaking about Jimmy's culture here, you can speak about that, but one of the things I found working with people like Cicely Berry and Michael Attenborough is you, you get reassurance because the elders before you have already sort of worked out a lot of techniques and rules to do with what your work, what, whatever the text is that you're working on, and they can help you through those things. And I guess when you speak words that other people have been speaking for only hundreds of years compared to, say, tens of thousands and beyond, there is a kind of authenticity that you have to bring to it. And I think, you know, Jimmy's one of the, I, I saw Jimmy on stage and he's one of those people, like, as you say, he's one of those people that brings a very big gravitas and a truth to what he's doing. And there, there are a few actors like that. And there are some white actors who can do that, but there are also some uh, Indigenous actors that mm. I've seen that I just go, oh, my God, what you bring to the stage is something completely different that captivates an audience. I yeah. mean, even Jimmy in our town as the stage manager was just riveting. Yeah. So, and, you know, everyone who saw it came away. Everyone I ran into, yeah. oh, Jimmy Barney, Jimmy, Jimmy Barney, 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 can't Barney. wait till he does Othello. <laughs> Othello. Yeah, mm. and then uh, you're heading down after this down to South Australia to tackle another small role. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, uh, a year of big roles for you, Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah you're doing, you're playing George in Who's yep. um, Afraid of Virginia Woolf, mm -hmm. another small one. Yes, yes. Yeah, look. No, no, no. It's a, it's a great opportunity uh, to work with Margaret Harvey. Yeah. You know, I've, um, you know, I've, I've, I've worked with, with her on uh, Remote Area Nurse, my first ever production that I've ever done, you know, um, well, coming into the industry anyway. And, and uh, I've only heard stories of her on stage. And yes, we're on set, you know, watching films. And, you know, when you're on set, you would look up all the actors. Oh, my God, he did this or she did this. And majority of, of, of Margaret Harvey was stage. And coming into the theatre industry, graduating at WAPA and, you know, actually really study. And to understand you were talking about the gravitas and that, that power, Margaret Harvey is... Mm. Is one of those ones I was that telling just Jimmy like, a story about yeah. she was in The Tempest here yes. and she played Ariel mm -hmm. uh, and it was a Simon Phillips production. Yeah. And Eugene Gilfeder, who's in Othello, yes. who's playing Brabantio, played mm -hmm. Antonio in that. Mm -hmm. It was a great production. They had this big shipwreck at the beginning. Most of the subscribers will remember that because it was quite, it looked like mm -hmm. the shipwreck was going to fall in off the Playhouse stage <laughs> into very Simon Phillips <laughs> off the Playhouse stage straight into the audience. But it was it was a wonderful production. But she's she was very memorable in it mm. as Ariel. And actually, it was one of the first post-colonialist pieces of theatre that I ever saw. Yeah. And I thought this is brilliant. What a great way to because when they did the spirits on that island, they had local people dance mm. here, mm. Um, which was quite 
quite fascinating to me, blending two things of Shakespeare. Yeah. I mean, they didn't go as far as what you and I are going in mm -mm -mm. terms of the trilingual element of like Shakespeare, yes. um, the Yumpla talk, which is the Creole, yes. and then uh, mm. Kalalagaya. Could you, can you explain a bit about how the language works and which parts of Torres Strait like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because not everyone in Torres Strait yes. speaks Kalalagu. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So, so, so in the Torres Straits, there's 15 inhabited islands. Um, there's two language groups. So there's Kalalagoya, looks after the west, and Meriam Mir, who looks after the east. That's where Eddie Mabo is from. For 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 the people don't know, and there's about seven dialects underneath, you know. And then you just split it amongst the islands. Yeah, and there's uh, time. Obviously, when uh, 1871, when the missionaries come through, there was a time there where they actually stopped the people from talking language. Huh. And as we know in history, there was um, in the show that we did. Uh, my name is Jimmy. Alfred Court Haddon, an anthropologist who just came in and started to preserve our language and write, write it down in books. He's got six volumes and uh, preserved our um, artifacts. Mm -hmm. So the language had been spoken, but then. Obviously, in time, then the Aboriginal Protection Act come. You weren't allowed to speak language, but it was it was spoken, spoken, and but but slowly sort of broken down, and then Creole started to come in because that was our, our communication with Papua New Guinea and mainland Australia, and uh, and it became its own language, which we, which we call Yumpla Talk. So the majority of the Torres Strait Islanders that speak today is Yumpla Talk, mm -hmm. and you know, just for us to put it in the show, it's I gotta say, Jason. Lee, like just listening it, just listening to it, just in rehearsals, man, you just like when you talk about the hair stand up, yeah, but he's like, wow, you just we're actually speaking on stage, you know, like Yumpla talk and seeing Richard talking, Benjamin talking, and and it gives them power too because they that's that's theirs, and for them to come and just share their piece of themselves for us to to ex experience, but also share with them. It's powerful, you know? It's really powerful just sitting there, just watching them. And I, I got to say, I have tears in my eyes when I, and, and, and not even looking at them, just hearing it, you're just like, oh, wow. Yeah, but you're so crazy. <laughs> I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. <laughs> no, I mean, and it's that thing, uh, somewhere in you that, that the both of you, that thought of, Making all of yourselves live inside the Shakespeare. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's, it, as he said, it's been a it's been a long process over a lot of years of Australians kind mm. of talking back to the empire, if you like, claiming this performance space as our own. And what does that actually mean? And how far do we go? And yes, on some level, there's just like that's what's happening around the world with Shakespeare's adaptations. But there's something else that's going on that sits underneath an impulse like this. Why Othello, Jimmy? Uh, it's, it, it was just a play that, that struck me in, in university, to be honest. We've done monologues of it and, and um, you know, I just, being, I guess, the one black fella in my class, I was like, and Othello being the one black fella lead for Shakespeare, I'm like, i, I got to do this role. You know, I think I think it's it's just one of those challenges too, as well. As an actor, you know, I want to we want to challenge ourselves, and that's 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 the pinnacle of challenge for me. You know, and I think one day if I attack this, and if I can nail this, I can do any role. And I think where I am in my career too, as well, I think it's a really perfect time. You know, I mean, going through the roles and playing Janamara from over in Kimberley's, you know, the war hero, to Uncle Eddie Kwekimabo, yeah. playing all these indigenous 
strong people who fought for our, our rights. And as an actor, you're just like, nah, man, I, I, I got I, I to play a role that actually challenged me and actually take me to another place, you know, stretch my range, you know. And I think, what, we're in week two now? Already I'm just like, wow, <laughs> it, it's so complex. And, and what I love, and, and I'd love to share this, what you're doing, Jace, what I really love is, is attacking the complexity, uh, you know, the, the, the complex of it, the, the proper with the gender and the, the, the gender politics, the race politics, the government politics, mm. everything. There's so many characters on stage, but there's so much going on within each individual, and it's real. You don't shy away from that, which I love. No, because one of the enduring things why Shakespeare's lasts so long is because it is, it is, it is about human complexity and about human contradiction. Mm. A lot of Shakespeare's characters and the rest of drama is about people saying they're going to do one thing and doing something else. I mean, it's a, it's about oppositional tension, oppositional forces in in the complexity of human nature, and where we've said it helps because you know Othello. In a modern context, in, in our, um, when I say modern, I mean today, like right today, right now in 2021, is a sort of, to some people would be a, quite a problematic play, say The Merchant of Venice, say, yeah. which is um, the struggle between a Jewish man who's outnumbered by Christians and there's a whole heap of religious persecution and racism yes. in that play. Mm. That's a hard play to do. If you're doing that play, you sort of have to lean into the racism mm. of the play. And so... Uh, not particularly that Othello is a racist play, but it does have elements of racism in certain characters, as well as other characters have certain misogynistic tendencies, as well as other characters just have very open, lovely natures. So it's mm. it, there is a been wide like range. Every society, yes. yes, it's just that he was he was getting into it then mm. because yeah. that was what that's what he was seeing in his society. You go, yeah. wow, we haven't changed. He was leaning in. We've got to lean in. And he's kind of got no judgment. Yeah. That's the most amazing thing about yes. Shakespeare is that you don't see at one point you might see judgment of a character or a character judges themselves or someone else judges that character. But that never lasts for a whole play. Mm. And that's the beauty of it. That yes. you, that it, human yeah. beings are constantly changing and evolving. And we are in a, in us all is the ability to be quite monstrous and also to be quite angelical in some ways mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. th- that's that thing is very easy to pick up on i guess the, o- the other thing is going well you know it's not an accurate representation of the Torres Strait light infantry mm. and 1942 because we're still doing othello and it does have mm. the shakespearean language yes. so there is a kind of hard little tread to to go but i think because jimmy and i are both from we grew up there we grew up with a lot of those generations of people and actually you know jimmy's great grandfather and uncles who signed mm. up to be part of that Torres Strait Line infantry mm. i was i was just i went back and found my grandfather's diary yesterday <laughs> because he was signed up in cairns to the 51st battalion as well yep. and he was german and he was allowed to stay they came around because they came around in trucks to the army and said because he was already a mem- member of the forces that were they called chocos in those days because mm. they just kind of turned up and did a bit of military service before okay. the war, war started. Mm. And um, he, when they came around to the army, someone spoke up for him and said, no, 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 Klarwein's all right. I mean, that's an anglicised version of the word Klarwein anyway. So they were, hi- they were hiding their Germanness. But 
they he they took his father and grandfather and put them in internment camps in Victoria. So they were prisoners of war. Right. Meanwhile, he was in the Australian Army in Cape York near mm. the tip, only a couple of hundred kilometres from Jimmy's grandfather at mm. the same time, doing the same thing, protecting the north of Australia. So in some ways mm. we carry a kind of family baggage or history or even growing up in Far North Queensland. Jimmy and I know the complexities of Far North Queensland. It's a pretty, mm. it's a very open place, but it's also, it's upfront. Like, mm. in the, you, you know, racism was a thing when we were at school. I mean, mm. we're, we're almost the same generation, but, you mm. know, at my high school, it was, a, it was a daily thing to hear racial slurs and all that sort of stuff. So dealing with the play is really great. So mm. it's about kind of going, okay, how do we want to, how do we want to tell this story, which is in 1940, which there are different rules about women and different yeah. rules about, you know, this, and war offers freedom yeah. because it offered freedom for mm. not only um, Torres Strait Islanders because they were suddenly in an equal footing and then had a strike in 1937 yeah, the, bef just before this just play before to play. get the to get the money to be yeah. soldiers because they weren't being paid. Yeah. And but the women also at this time were put suddenly had jobs yeah. because yeah. the men were away they had to, and they got paid. And they could mm. and they got paid yeah. and they were making decisions in ways that they hadn't yeah. made before. And so we yeah. have a character, yes. Amelia, in the play, who's yeah. a famous character who's yeah. got the big speech about men towards mm -hmm. end play, which is one of the most wonderful speeches in Shakespeare, mm -hmm. who's married, unfortunately, to Iago, who's such a bastard. But she... In our version, she's she's actually employed as a military nurse and a and and a radio technician. Right. Um, so her equality, as well as say Othello's equality, are risen in this strange yeah. bubble of time, which soon after the war will be taken away from mm, those people away, again. That's it. Yeah, mm. it's a very fascinating time. It's just the more I think about the complexity of that time, yeah. the more I go, wow, it's so weird. Yeah, and and can can, can I just add yeah. with the strike there? Because 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 up in with, with the pearling industry in 1937, they did a strike. When 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 the soldiers was in the Torres Strait Islander Light Infantry, there was actually a strike in there too as well, because they were un, underpaid. All the Torres Strait Islander men started, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, put on a strike, mm -hmm. and then as history, when you look at Torres Strait Islander history, Eddie Marble. So there has always been that sort of fighting, sort of for equal rights, you know. But but I think. In, in setting it in that time, in 1942, and looking into that that world, yeah, it's... It's also it, interesting, isn't it, that thing as you're talking about what it is to understand Far North Queensland mm -hmm. and go, and for for artists that's, that's come from that space to claim this play mm. and that, that, that process of claiming and saying, no, this actually, this speaks to us. It is an extraordinary thing to reach across, what, 450 years mm. and say, yes. no, this actually speaks to us today. Mm. And that process of inspiration, because you've, you've done a lot of Shakespeare, Jason. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and so you live in that space of this inspires me now as an artist. Yeah. So it's in adapting a work, in bringing together the different rivers of culture, it's not so much about making it relevant as as owning it as Australians, right? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right, that it's not about you don't – and it, what you're alluding to, which is really good, is actually when you go to adapt something like this or when you go to direct it or interpret it as, you know, Jimmy and I have sat around trying to trying to work out how, how some things will fit, is that it's not about – it's not about fighting the Shakespeare – 
because the shake it's not to be fought against because actually there's a great integrity in Shakespeare that's why it's lasted so long <laughs> and so it's like you got to learn Shakespeare's rules to break them and so coming to it and then and then putting stuff on top of it it's about testing how your is your world complex enough to meet the complexity of the text of Shakespeare and if it's not it, you will be found out very quickly, I think, as an adapter or a or a maker of the yeah, work. Yeah, you, you find it reductive. That's when reductive. That's, when people that's right. That's find a good it's word. It's not as, as it's not as exciting or rich as the play that they remember. That's right. You've made less of it as opposed to make more of making it. more of it. And yeah. you know, the Elizabethans were all about expansion. Their whole thing and reductive is a great word because we live in a time where we reduce language now. So everything is and there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just what we live in. And our, our, our whole thing is about reducing language, whereas the Elizabethans, for all their other faults, were really imaginative and expansive in yeah. the way they were. It was were. an expansive time. That's right. It? And so their language is expansive. Their, yeah. their, their imagination is expansive. It's so broad. And I think because it is so broad and he had such a keen eye for human nature, there's so much truth in the play. And so you look at characters and we're constantly perplexed going, Oh, that's exactly how I've seen someone act in that situation. (laughs) (laughs) And you you just think, oh, my God, how did he nail the psychology of it? Mm -hmm. And it was a time of great psychological insight because of Montaigne in France. People were going, we're no longer... It's no longer God's fault that we are choosing these things. It's about free will. Oh, this and question of the questioning of religion. They yes. On the back of yes. all of that great 15th century yeah, yeah. Uh, questioning that was happening, you know, that six, 15th, 16th, it was just this great possibility you could think in different ways. But there's this guy, and I'm, I'm one of the people who goes, no, it's a guy. There was a Shakespeare. <laughs> there was a Shakespeare. It wasn't all of these other people. There was this person with a gift yeah. for psychology, essentially. Before there was all the la- our cont- yeah. contemporary language yeah. of psychology, he, w- he observed, he saw how people behaved, and he managed to put it into this language. Yeah, and I think he must have been an absolute Bookhead, like he he just read everything because so much is borrowed and stolen. He's yeah. such a magpie Shakespeare, yeah. and so they may not be his invention. They might be things that he saw in the street, but he was he was doing it every day, and I think that's what made him really good. Yeah. Is that like those people like Mozart and Beethoven, or even people who are composing songs in in Wagadagam culture, that they're doing that every day and honing their skills and practicing these things every day, that the literature of their culture or those people's culture becomes so fluent to them that it just seems effortless. And I think that's why we, we think, oh, they must have been in this sort of, but I think it must have been just the pure practice of it. And he was an actor himself, obviously, and who knows, like he would have had two actors beside him going, don't write that, man, that's a terrible decision. Or what a, what a bad joke <laughs> that you've written here. Or what, you know, whatever and he was writing fast. Yeah. He was writing fast because they didn't have long seasons. Yeah. Mm. Well, they didn't have seasons. They did the play a few times. That was it. That's right. And then you'd write another play. Yeah. And that's mm. how you made your money. So that the amount that he was writing, the number of words yeah. and the rate mm. he was writing at and playing yeah. with language. Well, if you think that this play is somewhere 
they think the first performance is in sort of 1604. He's probably writing it in 1603 or starting sketching it in the same year, measure for measure. So, and those two plays are very difficult. They're also they're also two plays that are breaking apart the previous forms that he's doing. If you think about measure for measure, if people know that for people who are playing at home and. Um, Othello, they are they do do they're not all that blank verse. They they do start to all break apart in terms of its form. And then to, you know, if you think even just a couple of years later, he writes Leah, Macbeth, and Anthony and Cleopatra in the one year. <laughs> when you just think, only I could only wow. dream of that. <laughs> writing those three plays in one year. I mean, that's just that. No, it's an interesting you say that thing of um doing it every day, and this is more of the time we're in question, what's it like to come back in this year to making every day mm. after a year of of not making every day and wondering when we would make again? What has that been like for you two as artists to navigate? I'll let Jimmy answer that first. <laughs> um, it was interesting coming to the first day as soon as when we started reading it was like everybody was like, wow, let's just get it out because it's been sitting for so long. It's been yeah. simmering, you know. It's a, So there's this feeling of, you know, yeah. let's just, yeah, look, look, it's just great to just just let it out and actually see, see it all come together. You know, we've had this conversation for how long now and and to actually see it, it's just like, it's it's a blessing. It's a blessing just to, to you know, get in a room and, you know, with amazing cast members just, just sharing their soul mm. on stage. Mm. I think I have been pretty lucky or I'm very bloody-minded in terms of, you know, as an actor and a director and someone who runs a company, Green and Tonic, who goes into schools, sometimes to do Shakespeare but not always. I spend a lot of my time working on my craft every day yeah. and I'm very lucky to be in that position but it's because I have been so bloody minded about it um, <laughs> <laughs> well you don't have a choice no well, I, I have to do that yeah. like that is my thing because I can't you know I've tried to do other things and I'm either really crap at them. Really bad on a cash register, right? Oh, and like <laughs> if someone makes me do carpentry, like you don't you don't want my carpentry. Like I'm not I'm <laughs> I not really a, don't. I'm not a manly man with my hands. <laughs> 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 so I um you know I I do spend every day either teaching young people about sort of drama or talking about it or even Jimmy and I have been developing another show and so oh yeah uh, yeah oh yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> actually with some of the designers uh with yeah. the um uh, our wonderful cans mm. designers who are doing the costumes for this show um yes. Simona and Simona yeah. yes but just back to that thing you know as a director you would yeah. know this but when you cast the show and then you sit in there for the first two days and you think oh please have cast it right please please please, please have cast this right <laughs> but i can safely say that i have because <laughs> i was i was like yes okay, everybody what, fits you know, so good. you know what your problems are going to be in the first two days you go Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Well, I have no or, problem. So I was like, oh, or it works out. Yeah. You yeah, go, yeah. oh, this is going to be okay. <laughs> it's like I find the worst day for me as a director is the day before the first day. Oh, do you not sleep? I don't. I can't do yeah, anything. I can. Oh, the only wow. thing I can do yeah. really is go to a movie and watch mm. a lot of stuff blow up. Yeah. Because mm. I can't. Just some noise. Well, I get it. It's a really lonely moment. It you, is. All, you know, all the problems in front of you, but. Yeah. 
and then I sit in the first day and I realize I don't have to solve it all by myself. <laughs> there are all these other wonderful people who are much smarter than oh, me yes. who are actually going to come with all of their their little bits of thought where they've gone, oh, I could do this. And you go, oh, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. But the day before, oh, no. It's strange, isn't it? Yeah. Because I, And I think that must have been, you know, just speaking about Shakespeare living and breathing with other actors and doing all that stuff, we're so separated by some of the structures we have as artists that we constantly have existential crises yes. about, oh, my God, I'm going to have to push this, like, Sisyphus all the way up the hill and it's all going to roll back on me at some point. But I actually, I think that, you know, it is a team effort. It's a team sport. It's a you team know, sport. It is a team but sport. But you forget about it. You think you're, you're, thinking you're, you think you're running the 100-metre sprint <laughs> yeah. the day before and then yeah. you go, oh, no, I'm in a soccer yeah. game. Yeah. My, yeah. Wor my worst bit is sort of the... Um, I get very excited for the sort of first two weeks and then when I put it, you know, you put it back together or you put something back together and you think it's not as exciting as I th first thought. But then that's that teaches you more about the more detail, yeah, more complexity, more, more, more yeah. things. But So you're in week two at the moment, yeah? Yeah, yeah. 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 I had a corridor conversation with Yuri Yago and Andrew Buchanan and uh, I said, how are you going? He said, it's such a relief. He said, I've been carrying this because you guys were – almost ready to go yeah. when COVID yeah. happened. Yeah. You were not an ex-cab on the rank. And so, you know, you, you come at a role like Othello, a role like Iago, you'd already spent a year, right, thinking mm -hmm. about or for you longer in your life, but a year of, oh, I'm going to be doing this thing. And then this this year's break, was it useful at all? Did you find time useful or a, or an obstacle? Oh, it's just, it's tricky to know. Um, it had its advantages and disadvantages. I think an advantage for the director was I actually got to spend a bit of time with Andrew because in one of the lockdowns we did a lot of Zooming because he has the majority to say and Iago has one of the, is one of those characters that says enormous mm. amounts. Mm. So he and I got to spend a lot of time editing and cutting and talking about character whereas Jimmy and I already had naturally done a lot of that because we spent a lot of time together yeah um, what, what about you oh just 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 I think I think the load of the cultural the the cultural mm. information um I think is my sort of focus was mainly to make sure that all of the cultural language or the protocols make sure that we don't break it yeah. That's that's my number one thing, and you know, I'm, I I had to go back and really think. Oh, did we do this right? Did we do this right? Okay, cool, we did this right. Okay, I better check on this. I better check on this language. I better check on this dance. You know, so that was the majority part of the the break, I guess, to come and and that's why it was so important. That's why I said to Jace, brother, we we really need Connie and Gabe's because when I do get in the room, I can't focus on that anymore. They have to do it because that's their job. So it, it, there's so much cultural load that that's that we carry with and responsibility to as well. So we are carrying responsibility to our people and our, you know, um, our court system. So that was my sort of time off is more focusing on like, oh, because when the when especially when the when the when the publicity starts to come out, and I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I really got to think of what I say and you know all of that stuff. The, that information and having Jace relying on that information. <laughs> I ask lots of questions. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. No, awesome, awesome, which I love. I love, I love, I love. It sort of like like, like puts me like, okay, I am I am a Wagadagam and Peldu man first before an a, I'm an actor. 
that was my break. Whereas on, on other shows, I'm an actor first. Oh, man, I got time to explore, research, boom, 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 boom. What's that character like? You know, do all this stuff. So, so this process was actually the opposite. I was like, oh, I got I to gotta make sure that we are safe before we come to day one. Mm. And then when we're here now, then I'm like, okay, I'll dive into, I'll, I'll dive into him now and let Rich answer questions, Gabe's and Connie when they come, and they can do their own responsibility they carry it and and it's a blessing and and you know um you know thank you again for casting them boys because as an actor i'm like awesome i can actually just do my craft now box my yeah craft. because i mean you should you shouldn't mm-hmm. have to carry the cultural mm-hmm. the whole cultural load for the show mm-hmm. and it's also my responsibility to mm-hmm. learn like i know a fair bit about Jimmy's culture because mm-hmm. I've I've been I was very lucky to um, sit mm-hmm. with Jimmy's dad, the late Artie Dimplebani, mm-hmm. and speak. He spoke to me about some cultural matters, and so I've been learning over the since I've known Jimmy. I've been trying to learn language and different things, and so every day I come in and I talk to Richard and I try and get my words right in Kalalagaya, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and he corrects me, which is yeah, good. Yeah. And so there's mm-hmm. a bit of teaching back and forth, which is really great mm. but also then yeah to let Jimmy just do his acting bit and not having to carry the cultural weight of the show was really great and to have his brothers here and also support back on mm. the islands that we can ring home at any time yes. and talk about different things and mm. is only enriching us all really in the room mm. as we kind of share knowledge back and forth between mm-hmm. us all which is great. So you're about two and a half weeks, three weeks away from standing on stage in Cairns mm. and meeting the audience for the first time. What are you hoping for? It's important to us that the first audience be in Cairns. Mm. So what are you actually hoping for? Wow. Um, well, my, my hope, it's a, it's a tricky, it's actually a tricky task we've set ourselves, which is, it's a really good task because it's about the unification of a certain audience who will have never seen Shakespeare and then an audience that is quite literate in Shakespeare and then somewhere in the middle there's a crossover of people who know Shakespeare, are Torres Strait Islanders, so they'll sit in the middle of that. But speaking to both of those audiences, it's going to be, my hope is because because we don't have subtitles, right, mm-hmm. and you don't really need them for Shakespeare and you don't need them for Jumpla talk, if I'm being really honest, because every third word is English anyway. So you're picking up. That's and, the magic of a Creole, yeah, isn't it? And if, that, I've done actually, my, if I've done my yeah. job right, hopefully yeah. people can understand what's going yeah. on at certain times. So my hope would be people will be absolutely spun out yeah. by the play and going, how, how, who wrote this? Like how did it come mm-hmm. about and what is this story? And then... And that for another audience, people will go, wow, Horn Island was bombed 300 times in the Second World War mm-hmm. and all those men signed up. I don't know anything about that history yeah. mm-hmm. as an Australian. How weird is that? Mm-hmm. And for a Torres Strait Islander to go, who's this Shakespeare person? And w- at, when I was at mm-hmm. school, why didn't I do any of that? And, what, you know, like, or if I did, why didn't I understand it? And how do I get involved in that? And I just think, and, you know, there's some songs in the show which we had with My Name is Jimmy as well where – there's a special moment in in this play, but um, and I won't give it away. But there's a song, and we know in Cairns, people in the audience will sing that song at the same time it's being sung on stage, yeah. which is a wonderful moment yeah. in theatre land. <laughs> that when when your audience and the actors become one, that's always what you're kind of aiming for. Mm-hmm. And so to that's 
when that happens, I'm sure I'll probably just cry and then they'll, <laughs> then I'll have to watch the rest of the play. <laughs> I don't know. What about you, Jimmy? Yeah, hope, look, look, um, it's, it's exactly what you, you articulated really well in, within the two audiences. You know, I think, I think my hope is, is that um, it is Othello, it is Shakespeare. Mm. And for my family mob up there who uh, haven't seen Shakespeare before, my hope is that hopefully they understand that it's not a true story that ha- happened in the uh, light infantry. <laughs> <laughs> the Torres Strait Islander light infantry. Otherwise, we're going to have, hey, whose grandfather that? That's not mine. <laughs> Hey, who did that? You know, um, but 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 also for them to just to come and actually just to experience theatre, and when we're talking about Shakespeare, I mean, you know, doing London twice for for sapphires and the Shadow King, I would always cross it to the Globe and just stand there and just watch and like, you know, and just like oh, you know, and did the tour and look and just be like wow. And even being in the Barbican, you stand there and I'm like, oh my God, look how many amazing performances or stories that was here before us. So so, so for us to take it up to Bulmaja and tell a story that's been told for a long time and join it with a story that's been living for a long time, you know, it'll be special. And, and, and I hope they'll enjoy it and, and, and hopefully experience what Shakespearean language and theater is all about. You know, because I mean, you know, it's going to be a spin out for my mob just seeing this island fella standing on there and speaking, you know, all this, this, this rich, thick old English accent, you know, not accent, but language. language yeah. it, 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 it'll be a spin out for them and, 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 um, and just seeing their world in it too as well. It'd be like, I'm, I'm, I'm same, I'm same like you, brother. Like just seeing that two worlds come together, you hopefully we'll see that magic happens, I guess. Mm. Now, for those mm. of you who can't necessarily make it up to the Ken's mm. <laughs> uh, performance, uh, just know it will be coming to Brisbane next year. You know, spoiler alert for next year's season. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, so don't don't panic. We will mm. get to see it. So these these fabulous artists will be carrying the story for a lot longer. And who knows? As you said, you know that thing of like the globe. I'd love to see it there. It would be amazing. It would be amazing. Because they have that yeah. International Shakespeare Festival. Yeah, they do. And there was one year they had all these productions from around the world and they just looked, I saw the photos of them, they just looked so fascinating. I did too. Mm. And I was like, and I've been, you know, that thing of how do we how do we take it, our makings of the stories mm. back to that shape stage and mm. tell our story there. Mm. Anyway, that's a goal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but first, but first, you guys have got to get back to rehearsal True. in the middle of week two. <laughs> and, you know, the, the thickest difficult part of, yeah, of any yeah. any rehearsal for a play, week two, True. week three. So True. it's lovely thinking about the future of this play, but you two got to go make it. So <laughs> thank you both for joining me on this early morning. Uh, and thank you to all of the people listening at whatever time of the day for dipping into the idea of, of Othello mm. at Queensland Theatre. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jason. And thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Thanks so much for listening to Quality Time. Please rate and review it and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter at QLD Theatre. You can visit our website, queenslandtheatre.com.au to sign up to our e-news and learn more about the stories we'll be sharing next. We can't wait to see you at the theatre again soon. Bye! Oh, now I'm going to go again on that. <laughs>
Uh, and at the end of a sentence. <laughs> Are you the principal in the other show? Who recorded the principal? Yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm, so, I'm sure that's Lee's voice. I completely forgot. I completely forgot. Because I was I like, was this is a good voiceover. And then, I, oh, you're right. No, sorry. Yeah, I was like, this is a good voiceover. I went, sounds like Lee. Yeah, well, I completely forgot that I'd done it. And so it was so